This is Gulf Coast Life. I'm Mike Canary. Thanks for joining us. Normally in the days and weeks after a disaster like Hurricane Ian, it's mostly up to local nonprofits and mental health counselors who are volunteering their time to step in and provide support for people who have been impacted. Now for the first time ever, Florida State Emergency Response Team, or CERT, is supporting a program to assemble a group of mental health professionals, including therapists, counselors, and massage therapists, to work directly with residents and first responders who are still in the midst of recovery work. This CERT Mental Health and Wellness Field Unit got up and running last Friday on Sanibel to be there for residents as they return to the island. It is initially comprised of mostly locals, but they are working to expand in the weeks ahead. On today's show, we'll learn more about how it came together and the work they're doing. I spoke last night with two people instrumental in its forming and foundation. Let's hear that conversation now. Stacy Brown is a clinical psychotherapist and founder of Stacy Brown and Associates Counseling and Wellness in Fort Myers. Stacy, welcome back to Gulf Coast Life. Thank you, Mike. Good to hear your voice. And Ami Lee is clinical director of Capacity Path Disaster Relief and Resilience. Ami, thank you so much for taking some time to talk with us. My pleasure. It's an honor to be with you. So, Ami, before we talk about the work you're doing now in Southwest Florida, can you tell us about Capacity Path? I sure can. So, um, I was really delighted to establish Capacity Path as an organization over the last few years. And in 2017, we responded in a voluntary capacity to Hurricane Irma, uh, ironically, in Fort Myers and Bonita Springs, where we began to see uh, some of the complexities and the nuances behind disaster case management, how to support a community and the levels of distress they were experiencing. And then we next found ourselves in the U.S. Virgin Islands. Uh, working in St. Thomas and St. Croix and St. John with the homeowners who were just so distressed trying to help them muck and gut their houses and clear them out. And we realized that from the volunteers to the responders to the survivors, there was so much trauma and, and distress in the community. And it was like we were tending to the buildings, tending to the immediate needs that had to happen, of course. But I found myself in the constant inquiry about what, it, what about tending to the mind and the heart and that panic and that upset because it's just as mission critical to repair this community. So fast forward to 2018, we found ourselves at Ground Zero in Mexico Beach running some health and human services there. And while I was there, I saw all the responders just stunned and shocked at what seemed like a bomb went off, not entirely unlike Fort Myers Beach and Sanibel right now. And I realized, you know, if we don't take some initiative to put something comprehensive and clear into place to bring a solution to that human services, mental health capacity, resilience component of this, then we're missing something in what it means to be human. So um, Stacey's a good friend and colleague at this point, and we have just, you know, we're super simpatico on the idea of it, it takes some audacity to say, yes, this is a, is a complex problem, but let's go ahead and step in it if we have the resources, the, the will, and some commitment and some experience and colleagues and collaboration to build something sustainable to really bring a wellness model forward into crisis response. So in the last few years, also operating as director of public health for our trauma institute, I've been working to develop crisis stabilization and safety programs that can make a difference for people affected by catastrophic events. So uh, tell us how the team that's been assembled on Sanibel kind of all came together. You know, I have one word for how the team came together, and it's just miracle. 
it, it's been mind boggling to be honest with you that our heart was all in for mental health. And we were gearing up to build teams of volunteers to try and support what we knew would be some mental health and wellness fallout in this scenario. It was clear that was predictable. And initially, right in the first week, I was invited to deploy with the Pensacola Police Department as their mental health resource, who we were called in as sort of extra staffing for the Charlotte County Sheriff's Department. Really experienced some profound opportunities to put within the structured system some wellness checks for the more vulnerable people in the community. We found uh, apartment buildings full of elderly people who had not been identified as an unmet need because they weren't, you know, let's say they, they weren't nursing homes, they weren't assisted living, they were just living in a pretty simple manner and their buildings were really destroyed. We got to work with the Emergency Operations Center, communicate that issue. We saw the state coordination just really knock it out of the park, the disaster medical assistance teams, Florida DEM, everybody started to tend to those apartments once we identified that there was this mental health and wellness unmet need. I think that started to show us that if we are intentional about putting mental health in right in response, we can make a difference in the community. Next thing you know, a couple of days later, I get a call from Tallahassee where uh, the section chief for health and human services calls and says, Ami, we've got to get more mental health therapists down into Lee County. And I said, you're not kidding. And so we started to put together a plan and I was moved up and awed and struck. And Tuesday night, we walked out of the Department of Emergency, Division of Emergency Management, excuse me. And they said, you know, in the state of Florida, we've never made an actual mission for mental health and wellness on the ground in response before, but we know more than ever it's needed. And we're entrusting you to do this. Go make us proud. So we are at SDRT, a state emergency response team, mental health and wellness field unit. And they asked us to be with the residents of Sanibel as that causeway was reopening because it was predictable and it was heart-wrenchingly predictable. But as the residents were able to return, that their distress would be high. And I'm so proud to live in a state that said, you know, we're going to invest in our people this way. We're going to say, we don't want you to suffer alone. We're going to call this Florida Mental Health Agency, ask them to come help us. And we've had nothing but incredible experiences so far. Is this evidence of mental health issues, you know, and mental well-being issues getting more attention, or in this case, even funding, than in decades or years past? You know, again, it's a bold step in Florida. Um, I know Louisiana uh, and the Terrorism and Disaster Coalition of the Gulf Coast in Louisiana, they've been looking at putting more mental health resources into evacuation and transition shelters. Throughout the Southeast, we know that while we have this sort of built-in natural resilience, we're, we're kind of a part of the country that says, I got it, I'm, I'm good, I can handle it. We also know that there can be a little bit of wobbliness or uncertainty, or as the insurance issues come in, there's the panic, aggravation, and distress. And so there hasn't been a lot of financial investment in it, but I think there's been a massive amount of community investment. We know churches, pastors, community groups, rotaries, all of these kind of organizations contribute to emotional and spiritual care, but are not without a burden to do that. And in the licensed mental health and peer counselors and related professions, you know, frankly, they've been in a lot of burnout on the back end of the pandemic. They've been one of the businesses that is not experiencing a downturn. They've been experiencing an upturn, much like our medical professionals. And so they've been distressed. So how do you bring in professionals who are already experiencing a lot of distress to help relieve it? you know, just 
flatly, it's going to take some investment and commitment. And, and Florida did that. The state emergency response team did that. And I'm, I'm blown away. Hmm. Honestly, you can probably hear it. I'm still like in awe. We're on day four on the ground. And every minute I'm like, wow, we just went through our sit rep for the day. And it's amazing to hear about these human stories, the lives that we're transforming today. We've already served over 100 people, 100 crisis sessions and stress relaxation sessions each day on Sanibel already. We've been canvassing through a variety of neighborhoods and there are tears, but more importantly, and it's weird to say, but there's laughs and there's hugs and there's a sense of people support people in disaster. And that's where the human mitigation part comes in. That's where we raise each other's capacity and resilience and endurance. For what we in Florida know, this isn't a five minute, you know, news storm that we know it's going to be years for the communities to recover and we need to stand together. And I probably digress. Thank you for letting me wax on. (laughs) No, that's okay. And I do want to get to some of the details of exactly what you're doing, but I just wanted to get an idea of of how this team came together. Um, And would this be a good time to bring Stacey into the conversation? Because I think she was sort of instrumental in in putting together this first phase of the team with local people, right? A hundred percent. Bringing Stacey on board. I mean, we... We've had a commitment to have Floridians helping Floridians, and we also knew we may have to bring in a few resources from outside of the community. But I first, you know, put out the call locally, and when I met Stacy Brown, I met the right person. So, Stacy, come in, come into the conversation yeah. now, and tell us just kind of from your perspective how you found out about this and the team that you helped to assemble, and then we'll talk about what you guys are doing out there on the island. Mike, I have no idea how this happened, to be perfectly honest. <laughs> I had spent um, the last, oh, I don't know, two weeks or so being kind of the laundry angel and, uh, and helping my friends pack up things and take things out to the curb, you know, as we were all doing. And, and I was um, fortunate enough, really lucky, that I had minimal damage. And so my job is to get out there and, and help others. So I had been doing all of that. And I was super excited that my internet was back online because I'm, I needed to communicate with my clients from my private practice. And then I was just sitting here and got contacted and said, hey, do you want to go to Sanibel? And I said, yep. Um, and then I you know, learned a little bit about the mission and I said, oh, they're going to need help. And so I just, I've been here a long time, Mike. I just know people. And so fortunately, through social media, I was able to you know, really rally a bunch of mental health counselors who, you know, are scrambling currently. They're scrambling their schedules with their clients that that uh, that they support so that they can get out there to help as well. But talking about you know miracles and synchronicity, I had just worked with the World Central Kitchen on a little project, and so I had at my disposal about 18 massage therapists who were ready to come on board and help as well. Just a strange coincidence. And I think you got the contract signed on a Tuesday and you were supposed to be out there Thursday. And that's when I came on board was uh, on Thursday. And we had boots on the ground on Friday with a whole van load of local people. And it was really kind of amazing. It just came whooshing in. So serendipity. Um, I'd like to take a moment to reintroduce my guests. Stacy Brown is a clinical psychotherapist and founder of Stacy Brown and Associates Counseling and Wellness in Fort Myers. And Ami Lee is clinical director of Capacity Path Disaster and Relief Resilience. Capacity Path is leading a state-sponsored emergency disaster response team that's focused on mental health and wellness that's been working on Sanibel Island since late last week. If you'd like to engage with us about this conversation, please do so using WGCU social media. 
media. So now that we've established this team's origins, so um, Ami, let's go back to you. Just describe how your days have been going since you've been out there, how the setup is, what the team looks like, and who you're talking to. Yeah. Thanks for the question, because that's really the heart of the matter, right? It's, it's amazing that we find people to help, but when we actually get the boots on the ground, we start to wonder, you know, well, what will it take to be of help? Will people let us help them? Um, do they even need our, Do they need help? You know, is help a presumption? And so we tried to show up with some humility and just have a little spot kind of ready and waiting. But one of the things that we, we do to start meeting with the residents is we created a little wellness oasis, if you will, like a little mini spa in the midst of the rubble where we have a couple of tents and there's pictures of waterfalls and forests and spa music is playing. Okay, there's a little Jimmy Buffett outside because this is Sanibel. <laughs> But we create a space that feels familiar, that feels like, hey, this is different than everything that I'm dealing with at my house. And so we're right alongside uh, the shack in Sanibel, which, you know, beautiful little local org has been feeding every day um, all the contractors and the residents who've come to eat. We know that providing mental health and wellness alongside food is just like, you know, it's like wraparound services right there. People need something to eat and they need to feel better. So what we're noticing is that people just kind of come up slowly and tentatively. And the first thing they'll want to say is, is that they're okay. And our job, our first point of contact as crisis counselors is to say, yeah, you are. Look at you're right here. And what we're finding again and again is when we say that, you know, sometimes the tears, it gets a little leaky or the complaints come out of, oh my gosh, you have no idea how much work I'm doing or how much my body hurts. And at that point we get to be, an accompaniment to someone in this hour that they feel most alone. They don't want to talk to the neighbors as much about their struggles right now because the sense is, you hear, Stacey can testify, right? We hear this a hundred times a day. Oh, I'm sure others have it worse than me. And, and we're talking to people who've lost their entire home and that still looks on the tip of their tongue. It's like a human resilience need. They need to say it. So we'll just say, sure, good for you for having an eye on how you can love the world and support them and still stand for them. But right now, we're sent to just stand for you and support you. And the goal isn't to make people crack. There's not some weird goal to make people start crying. That, that's not it. What we really know in crisis counseling, and I'll, I'll share this to anyone listening because I think there's no reason the world shouldn't know it, is that, you know, people will talk about their feelings when they're ready. That's, that's something that the autonomy for that is deeply important and personal. But sometimes when you're in a situation like this, it can be like a black hole. You start talking about the insurance. We saw this this afternoon. Someone starts to talk about the insurance adjuster and the drones flying over their house and people not responding. And they'll start talking faster and faster and faster. And then they'll say, here are all my belongings on the floor that I've been able to, the floor of my garage that I'm able to salvage. And they're faster and faster. And our job is really not just to listen, but more to put like a ground floor underneath that black hole. So it can't keep going so low. It doesn't have to go so low. So we'll help people recognize What's the great thing you found today? What's the tiny victory of today? How do we get in the present moment of today? And today I met with a, a woman who, um, she lived over in the dunes and she was a, oh my gosh, I, she had, she'd been 30 years a therapist in the area. She'd originally been from Massachusetts. She just grabbed my hand and she said, I've always taken care of people my whole life and you are taking care of me. I wouldn't have been able to not keep going down if you didn't just come and sit with me right now and hold my hand and give me these, these moments of resourcing adding a few extra words, but that was the sense with her. Um, 
So I think that's it. It's like even the most strongest people know they don't. They could use a little extra help right now. Stacy, are there any interactions that you've had that stick out in your mind that you would be able to recount for us? Well, you know, it's not so much about the individual reaction. I don't want to do that, Mike. But what I can tell you is that what I see is a common thread of um, shock with every single person, right? And then depending on how resilient they were maybe before the storm or, or maybe what their natural faculties are, their, their, their normal personality, you know, I think it, it takes them into different places from there. But what I see is that everyone's in shock. There's a um, fear um, there's hesitancy, you know, but everybody that I have spoken to, and there's been many, you know, um, I, many, 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 everyone is responding to touch, right? And what's interesting about this for me, and I'm sure, you know, if we really think about it, everybody can relate to this. We're just coming out of this worldwide pandemic. So we were not supposed to be touching anybody or even standing close to anybody for, I don't know, more than two years. And now we have this hurricane situation, and one of the primary aspects of helping people to be fully present, especially when there's a significant trauma like this, is touch. And so I have hugged more people in the past three days than I have in the last two and a half years, and it's, it's giving me a healing as well, you know, but it's really quite significant. So I can tell you that one of the things that we do um, as as trauma practitioners is something called somatic touch. It's um, somatic is a body work. So it's important when you're going through a traumatic experience to move your body, to be literally in your body. And when you're in shock, that's a hard thing to do. Um, anxiety and trauma causes us to get really tight, you know? And so part of the, the, the healing and the ability to be present and to focus on things is to bring in some relaxation. So just touching someone literally creates a relaxation response through the central nervous system. And so I'm, you know, people are sitting there eating their lunch and I'll be rubbing their backs. I'm not a massage therapist, but I can touch them and pat them like I would my own child. And everyone wants it. There's not a violation of boundary there. People are hungry for touch. And, and the, you know, when you're in the middle of um, a crisis, nobody's touching anybody. So as, as Ami said, just holding someone's hand or giving uh, a hug is an incredible thing. Um, I will say I had a grown man fall asleep right in my hand. I was just holding his head while he was um, leaning forward. I was teaching him some breathing techniques, and I had my hand on his forehead, and he fell asleep right there. You know, And so it, it's just an incredible situation where people are just depleted on a whole new level. Um, the exhaustion is real. And, and I'm, I'm seeing it in the residents, of course, but also in the first responders. You know, we've got policemen who were willing to, to you know, to hug or to, to talk about their mental health and how their stamina is holding up. So it's all about people being willing to be present for people who are going through the trauma. You know, just, just showing up is a big part of this. Ami, do you have a sense at this point how much longer you'll be here working on this project? Well, our project is scheduled to be, I think we had it for five weeks initially, but, you know, as with any emergency response team, we turn in daily reports of how many people we're dealing with, what kind of needs we're finding, what the demand and the request is, are we sufficiently meeting it? Um, if we are, you know, if, if it's met, then we would end the project. So right now we're scheduled to go through towards the end of November, but I think it's being evaluated each day. And if you don't mind, I'd love to add something with 
something that say, that oh sure that go, was just said because I ahead. think it's it's really essential. What's here on our project that's also really distinct is that the state asked us to serve. I mean, we're on Sanibel right now, but we're called to serve Lee County and any of the affected counties in the region. So we're continuing to do needs assessments throughout the communities to find vulnerable populations, an area where there's most need. So we're ready to be a mobile unit and relocate and perhaps expand and attend to others. So that's, that's all in our space. But what's also really thrilling, and I kind of, I shout this out all the way up the food chain to Casey DeSantis and, and to Sarah Newhouse, the state director of disaster mental health. Um, they're really a stand for first responder mental health. And so that's inside of our mission as well as care for first responder mental health. And if, if anyone here has law enforcement or fire family, you know that, that it's not a population that often comes and says, hi, I'd like some crisis counseling right now. I'm having a little stress. <laughs> you know, we know that. But what we do know is real for first responder stress is a lack of relaxation, including our medical professionals, inability to relax, intense hypervigilance, really long shifts and it's a lot of uncertainty in this kind of circumstance, no days off. So we've been finding people on, to come on our team who are licensed mental health providers who may also be dual licensed as massage therapists or licensed for some other kind of ethical touch by you know, the Board of Medical Quality mm -hmm. Assurance. So we're staying within our ethical guidelines there. But we, we have set up with a couple of law enforcement camps. We set up at a firehouse. And we found all we needed to do for a moment was provide a little bit of stress and relaxation relief. And it was profound in supporting the resilience and the endurance of our first responders. So that's another side of the mental health. It's just the whole body, whole community, whole response. And uh, with people like Stacy, who's, you know, she's just so plugged into it. Like, we've just got the best team already. And everybody she knows in this community has just built the most extraordinary, like, safety net to heal the intense sense of distress. Are you looking for more counselors or massage therapists, et cetera, uh, to add to the team or to rotate in? Yes, because here's where I want to cast a little vision with you, okay? So if we are the first state to do this, there is going to be a precedent. If we can do this well, if we can make a difference for disaster response, we can build teams that can support disasters around the country. Why not? So we're building our rosters of people who are invested interested, concerned, and ready to serve their communities or others, because there's a way we're all in this together. We're all for each other. So we're all in. We're looking for more people who fit those kind of licensure requirements. Sure. Did you want Sorry, to Stacey, did, you could did, go ahead and Yeah, did you want to add anything, Stacey? Well, I just, uh, the way that I communicate with my world is through social media. And so I just keep putting out calls because, you know, counselors can get burned out as well, right? This is, this is tough work. It really is soul work for us. And so I believe that uh, it, there's a lot of power uh, in this kind of a mission and in engaging the local practitioners. Um, now, we all live here, you know, through the storm, and so we, we have our share of, um, of, of trauma with the hurricane as well. But for those of us who were luckier uh, this time around, you know, I think that, that part of our, our goal here is to show up and help the community in ways that we can. So. Um, I am just let, reminding all my counselor colleagues that uh, this is an incredible opportunity. I've learned so much in the last three days. It's expanded my scope of practice. Um, it's really been affirming in a lot of ways for me 
just uh, because of the wellness uh, factor of all of this, my training in mindfulness and all of that. So it's really integrative in what we're trying to do. And I would just love for more uh, therapists to be involved. We're looking you know, for nurses, massage therapists, and mental health people who have trauma backgrounds. Um, and that's, I think, the more the merrier. We need to, to support each other. Um, Ami, last question is, um, are there ways that people can help who aren't, you know, counselors or massage therapists that just want to pitch in somehow? Absolutely. There's, there's space on the team for volunteers because we know everyone's needed in the healing. And when we're talking about healing the whole person, the whole community, you know, Stacy mentioned integrative health. Integrative health takes into mind all of the senses, right? So our eyes are looking around and we're seeing things that don't look right. We heard sounds in the, in the storm that might be distressing. You know, our, so many parts of our senses are impacted by catastrophic events like this. So I want, our vision is that we have a couple of live artists painting with us alongside our, our stands each day. It would be amazing. The community loves to see people making beauty in front of them. I, I wouldn't mind a couple of musicians in there, but I want to make sure we can have volunteers participate in all kinds of ways that disasters disorient you you know they disorient you from yourselves they cause people to kind of go inside shut down in themselves feel so removed from a reality that's safe if we can create safety but also joy and happiness music like peace like those kind of things people come back out of their shells and they get reoriented to being alive to their vitality and their capacity so Yes, people can volunteer for a lot of different ways. If anyone gets their hand on our volunteer form, just let us know what you're good at, and we'll figure out if we got a spot for you on this team or in somewhere around the region. All right, that is all the time that we have, but I want to thank my guests. Ami Lee is Clinical Director of Capacity Path Disaster Relief and Resilience. Ami, thank you so much for your time and the work that you and your team are doing right now. Thank you. It's, it couldn't be more of an honor. We. It's all about the survivors, man. That's all. Thank you for letting us share about that. Um, and Stacy Brown is a clinical psychotherapist and founder and executive director of Stacy Brown and Associates Counseling and Wellness in Fort Myers. Stacy, thank you so much to you as well. Oh, thank you, Mike. Thanks for sharing all of this. And tell your friends who live on Sanibel that we're there. You can find a link to the volunteer form if you want to add your talents to this effort on our website, wgcu.org gcl. Our show today was produced and directed by yours truly. Our social media coordinator is Tara Calligan. For now, thanks for listening. I'm Mike Canary. This is WGCU-FM, Fort Myers 90.1, WMKO Marco Island 91.7 FM, NPR for Southwest Florida. <laughs>